My name is Jonathan Huffnagel. I'm the founder of Dash. We created the Dash podcast to hear from the game day digital auctioneers from around the world of sports. We'll share their ideas, best practices, and success stories so that you can learn from the best and apply their practices to your sports team. For those of you who may not know, Dash is the only digital auction platform built specifically for professional sports teams and their fans. I started Dash after working for FC Dallas at Major League Soccer and noting the struggles of our team's charitable foundation director. We hope you take a lot from this podcast. Everyone, welcome back to another podcast with Dash. Today we have Melissa Warman, who is with the San Diego Goals. She is the manager of community relations there. Uh, welcome to the podcast, Melissa. Thank you. Thanks for having me on this morning. Yeah, of course. We're excited to have you. Um, we always ask the very first question, the same for everybody. Tell us a little bit about who you are, um, about your sports career, and some of your day-to-day so that we can kind of get a sense of what goes on in Melissa's world. Sure. So, um, grew up on the East Coast. I'm a, a transplant here in San Diego, as most of us are living here. I did my undergraduate studies at James Madison University, go Dukes, and uh, spent a lot of my time, you know, trying to get my foot in the door and, and do some internships. Was lucky enough to be able to receive my MBA and MFA from Ohio University, um, go Bobcats, and there was able to um, get a lot of hands-on experience in the industry to kind of, you know, try to find my niche, what was I truly interested in and passionate about um, in the sports industry. Um, moved here to San Diego and was kind of, you know, right place, right time when the San Diego goals were uh, returning to San Diego this time um, in the AHL conference and was actually brought on board as a group sales rep. Um, about three months into that role, uh, the team was looking to see, okay, well, you know, what else, what's our next step? Um, we kind of had our, you know, revenue generating you know, business side together, and we did not have uh, community relations departments. Our president at the time gave me the opportunity to step up and make something happen, and you know, try not to say no to, to any positive opportunities. So, um, took on that role while also continuing my group sales role. So that's still my uh, duties today are actually twofold. Um, one is to oversee our community relations department as well as uh, the San Diego Girls Foundation. The other is uh, to sell group tickets. And it's been really fun to kind of marry both roles and work with a lot of nonprofits in the community on ticket fundraising and, and to be strategic and how we can support a community partner, uh, sometimes when appropriate, through ticket sales as well. Sure. Yeah, no, that's great. I think, you know, that's how I got started in sports as well. Um, I was in ticket sales, did well, kind of moved my way up the ranks. Um, luckily, along the way, I had the idea to start Dash, and, and here we are today. But what's so great about, you know, being in sports ticket sales is that it's a proven track record. And if you can do well selling in ticket sales, you could probably sell a lot of other things as well as initiatives within your community like you're doing and bringing new ideas and success stories to the table so that you can build up your book of business uh, with the foundation as well. So that's awesome to hear. Um, You know, as a little background as well on Melissa in San Diego, for those who are listening, Melissa has probably hosted 
the most auctions on Dash in the last six months. And she's had some pretty awesome stories that have kind of come out of the auctions that she's hosting. Um, one in particular being secondary offers. There's always this idea that if you've got 25 jerseys for auction and you have 100 bidders, well, what happened to the other 75 that bid that didn't win? Well, Melissa has a great strategy that she's implemented with her Dash auctions to capitalize on those moments that fans are most engaged and most emotional, and that's through a secondary offer. Melissa, can you share some of your uh, success stories that have kind of come out from those secondary offers and how you engage fans in a digital world via Dash auctions? Definitely, yeah. And, and a lot of this comes, too, from just the strategic uh, conversations that um, Jonathan, you and I have had, you know, going in, how do we make some changes and you know, keep that engagement level up? And I believe the first flash auction that we did uh, was for our diversity night. And we knew that these jerseys were going to be pretty popular to begin with. Um, we're lucky that we're supported um, by a hockey ops team that's, you know, willing to, to give us some, some fun uh, player-worn, you know, locker room-worn gear. And that's what these hats were that we uh, provided uh, for the flash auction after the jerseys were uh, auctioned off. And I think aside from the fact that we were able to, you know, raise some more money uh, for the foundation and for the organizations we were supporting that evening, um, it was kind of what happened after the fact when, you know, the next auction came around and, and people were approaching me, you know, in-game saying, hey, are, is there going to be, you know, more hats coming up after this one or is there going to be another, you know, quick flash auction again and it's kind of like you know hey you got to just keep yourself um, involved and keep um, checking into to the app to see if it's coming so it was it was helping you know not only on the fundraising side but also the keeping interest levels high uh, with our fans so so that was pretty fun to see yeah. um it's also these hats are exclusive they're not sold at our merchandise stands um, and they are worn by players. They have the, you know, iron-on player number on the back. Um, we will also get them signed um, before they leave the locker room. So there's some added value there as well. Sure. No, I think that's a that's a great point that you bring up with the fans approaching you after the fact and saying, hey, what's coming next? Is it going to be this? Is it going to be that? In a digital world where everything becomes so redundant out there, bringing creativity to the table is super key. If fans always know that it's going to be a hat or some autographed puck that is up for the secondary auction, then it, it doesn't keep their interest level and engagement level as high. But providing that almost surprise and delight moment at the end of the jersey auction for them to want to stay tuned, it, it may be a hat, it may be tickets, it may be a player experience, whatever it may be, as long as it's fresh and it's different and not dull and redundant, that is a, a key component to an auction to keep fans coming back and coming back and coming back. And, and you guys did that really, really well. And it's awesome to hear that fans in the arena were asking what's coming, what's coming next, how do I get my hands on this and that. So that's awesome to hear. Um, cool, cool story. Um, can you share us a little bit about how your auctions went prior to Dash? How did you guys engage with fans um, before Dash came along? Sure. So all of the auctions that we had hosted prior to Dash um, are pretty much, you know, your typical paper silent auction in-game on the concourse. 
um, we did find that we were having success uh, in some of the conversations I've had with other um, foundations or community relations departments with other AHL teams. Um, we were bringing in, uh, you could say, top dollar comparatively uh, for the items that we were selling, mostly jerseys, and these are mostly centered around our specialty jerseys, so jerseys that players are wearing either for pregame that evening or just for that one game and then auctioning them off to raise funds for either a foundation or a, a different charity, a local charity. And, like, you know, they were going well, but it's how do you continue to innovate and um, reach people that aren't necessarily at your games? You know, we continually see, um, and you know this from looking at some of our dash data, too, that we have probably 40 or 50 fans that are very engaged and interested in getting their hands on some of this memorabilia. Mm -hmm. And that's what we were seeing in arena as well. You know, the same faces, the same people um, looking to get their hands on something and putting bids down. And now it's pretty much, there's probably two to three people that win something almost every auction. <laughs> and, you know, that's, it's kind of cool and fun to see them come back and get into it. And now, you know, every one of their kids in the family has a jersey. Um, and then you see them around town which is part of, you know, building building our brand here as well. Mm -hmm. um, we wanted to find a way to also reach people that were not in the arena, uh, but also be sensitive to the feelings of those passionate fans that are that are at the arena and they think, well, you know, we're we're in arena and we're here supporting you and we bought our ticket. Why is somebody that's not here reaping the same type of benefit? Right. Um, so I guess I'll kinda of take your question and, and go a little bit of different direction with it. No, but that's first great. We'll say, first we'll say that it's been great because we not only get the interaction with people outside of the arena, people inside the arena, once they see, you know, what the auction, how the auction's going in the arena, will hop on Dash and see, oh, well, you know, that one, and I get a better deal on that one, or the player that I want is only on Dash, so I, I need to, to be on Dash. Um, and it creates kind of a different competition. There's your, you know, in arena paper silent auction going, and then there's the dash auction going. And something strategic that I did, um, mainly because I'm a one woman show here, is to have the dash auctions and um, during the game. So if someone's at the arena and they're looking and, and they're on dash, they know that when the auction ends, say during our second period they can get up from their seat and come get their winnings from the auction table on the concourse. And for me, that was an easy way to fulfill, you know, 75, call it percent of what I was um, auctioning on Dash was to somebody that was actually in arena, which is kind of interesting too. Mm -hmm. um, but it was a way to keep them engaged and allow them to just, you know, be in their seat and, and not miss out, if you will. Sure. Um, but it, it's, it's definitely been a great way to reach more people, um, also reach um, fans of our you know, NHL affiliate, the Ducks, who we have, you know, in this season and in past seasons, sent um, many, many of our players up to Anaheim, and, and they've, you know, luckily been, most of them have been very successful, so there's an interest there for those fans to have, you know, what might be considered a throwback for that player that's now in the NHL when they were down here right yeah that makes sense and 
you hit home on a good point as well with fans who may get upset that now fans who are not in the building can bid on auction items. Um, and it's come up in our podcast a couple times here. In regards to that pushback that some of these fans are giving you, how did you respond to that? Um, some of the uh, some of the answers that we get from teams is that look, we had to stay consistent. We educated our fans on how to use Dash, why we're doing that. Just curious to hear how you handled that situation in San Diego. Sure. Well, I was sensitive to it a bit just in, in thinking of, okay, anytime, anytime there's change, someone's not going to be the happiest. And um, when making this change, and, and you can see when you look at some of our auctions, there's probably only a handful where there's more than, call it, 10 items at a time. So... What I do um, is I make sure that the auction that's on the concourse that's presumably happening at the same time that the online auction is happening on Dash or the mobile auction is happening on Dash, um, that there's more items available in Arena than there are on Dash. So that's one way to kind of say, hey, you know, you're, you're getting the benefit of direct access to more items, number one. Number two, um, sometimes I will increase the starting bid on items on Dash. Now, the only items I do this for are surprise pucks. Um, it's a new fundraising initiative that we started this year. Um, it's a custom puck, sometimes a different color, that's connected directly to you know, the game theme that evening, for example, St. Patrick's Day, we had Green Puck, um, Military Weekend, we had our, our logo um, that was camouflage, and each of these pucks are signed by a player. Mm -hmm. um, so there's this, you know, interest in you're not only going to get this commemorative puck, but it's also guaranteed to be signed by a player. Um, the idea with the surprise puck is that when somebody's purchasing it, they're face down. They don't know who, what player is going to have signed it. And then there's a fun element where there's actually um, the chance for you to win an additional item, whether it be more pucks or a jersey or a stick. Um, and you can see that when you turn your puck over, there's a special, you know, bright, big orange number on your puck, too. So there's incentives built in to get people more interested in um, purchasing one of the surprise pucks. Um, I will start the bid. And actually, this is probably the only auction that I run that's a buy it now system rather than a true auction, right. a traditional auction, and I'll start the pucks, at, well, start them, I'll list them for $10 more than what somebody can get them for in Arena. <laughs> and part of that is, hey, you know who you're getting because it's listed, it's not a surprise to you. And, and you know they go quick, too. You, and they go in about 30 minutes. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. I mean, and that's part of the, just the educating them, and, and in, in this way, being consistent, um, is actually a positive thing. They know that if there's a surprise puck sale happening, that that morning of the game, there's going to be anywhere from 10 to 12 pucks listed that they can get immediately and then pick up at the game or, or have it shipped if they'd like. So, yeah, that's so um, cool. A lot of fans that are coming to the game know if I don't just get the one I want online, I'm going to be standing in a very long line and I might not get them. The last two puck sales we did sold out, and we had to turn people away. Um, it sold out before the game even started, so we opened doors an hour early. Mm -hmm. And they were sold out before puck drop, which, you know, is great. And I, I love that we are, you know, we're going to continue to make this um, a fundraising initiative. It's, it's a great 
a margin. You know, anyone that buys a lot of pucks knows uh, pucks are not super expensive. Shipping sometimes hits <laughs> you harder than <laughs> the it item does. itself because they're so heavy. But um, it's definitely a fun initiative and one that I have not heard any negative, you know, comments or questions about, well, why was this puck more on Dash? Because they understand they're getting to select the one that they want and they, they know that it's theirs. And they see that it's a benefit to them to be able to just walk up to the table and pick it up versus standing in, you know, a sea of people hoping I get to the front. Right, right. And there's an urgency factor, too, because they know there's only one puck. I've got to get on Dash early right when it opens to get the puck and player that yep. I want. Um, well, another question about staying innovative and being a one-woman show there, there in San Diego, because there's a, there's a lot of people in sports who are in the exact same position as you. They're wearing many hats. They've got this, this, and that to do on game days. When it comes to being innovative and forward-thinking, what are some of the digital strategies that you implement within the community relations department there with the goals that you see being big winners maybe three, four, five years down the road that you're spending more and more of your time thinking about and implementing? So I'd say, you know, definitely just my department's relationship with our marketing department and getting more creative in how we're sharing uh, the great things that we're doing out in the community, whether they include, you know, a fundraising bid or not. Um, something that we started doing this year, and, you know, this is credit to, to our marketing team, is putting together um, kind of a monthly recap video. So this is footage that we have somebody who will kind of report, if you will, on what we're doing, not only on the ice, um, but off the ice. And it's a way for us to share all of the great things that we're doing. You know, it's one thing to, to be doing great things and to be involved. It's another to, you know, appropriately and effectively share what you're doing. Right. Um, you know, it's the whole, you know, if a, if a tree fall, you know, falls in the woods, it doesn't make noise kind of thing. If no one's seeing it or hearing it um, and they don't know, um, your your team and your brand is, is, one, not receiving the benefit of that. But, two, a lot of our fans, like I mentioned before, it's the same people and they, they spend a lot of their hard-earned dollars on our memorabilia that we, you know, promote on Dash and in-game and, for me to be able to bring it full circle and to show them here, look at what we're doing with those dollars. You know, this group of a hundred kids got to, you know, learn how to play hockey for the last six weeks in our learn to play program. And that program was funded through the money that we, you know, raised through these auctions. And it's a way to show them, you know, Hey, we're, we're doing what we're saying that, you know, we're going to do um, check presentations to the nonprofits mm -hmm. that we support through some of these auctions. Um, our Star Wars jerseys this year, as many might assume, uh, were a big hit. Um, leading up to that game, um, those jerseys were to be auctioned off and donated to a local sled hockey program. And um, they have both youth and adult programs. And before that, we took a couple players and myself, we went to a practice and actually got in sleds. And they, you know, showed us and taught us how how to, you know, appropriately use the, you know, you have one stick in your hand and then kind of a pick, if you will, um, to push yourself to go. And um, we brought our um, videographer up and got some great footage that we could share with, you know, the interactions and learning um, how to uh, play sled hockey with that group. 
which led into um, the Star Wars Night game that they were honored as our you know community spotlight. Uh, that group was for that evening, and then the jerseys were then auctioned off um, to benefit them. You know, circled that up with a follow up of a check presentation where I went to one of their practices and we took a picture with the check. We were able to donate over ten thousand dollars to that group, um, and you know, it's a great story. And yeah, it's an amazing number. Tell you know, right, and share that story. Um, and that will keep people coming back, right? You know, you go to banquets or fundraisers, it's the tearjerkers. You know, we obviously are um, lucky that we can include a sport that a lot of people love and are passionate about. Uh, so being able to, you know, tell that story and, and share it to say, hey, look, we are doing what we're saying we're going to do can go a long way in people continuing to participate in these auctions. Yeah, well, it makes a lot of sense because a lot of the chatter that we come across on our social channels as teams are hosting auctions, one of the biggest questions is where are the proceeds going? And it's it's great to hear that you guys are sharing exactly where they're going so that fans can associate your brand and the foundation with, with being a, a community pillar. So that's fantastic to hear. Um, well, I've got one more question for you before we let you go. We know you're a busy girl. Um, we want to share this with as many people as possible. And there's a lot of teams who may be listening today who haven't gone or even tipped their toe in the water with digital auctions. For teams who are about to make that transition or who have just made that transition into digital auctions, what are some of the key components that they need to check off the list to ensure that their first foray into digital auctions is a successful one? Sure. I mean, the first thing that's coming to mind is really, you know, isn't so much of a specific, you know, do or don't, but it's make sure that it's going to work for you and, and for your organization and your team and, and your abilities to, um, fulfill properly and appropriately. Um, there's nothing worse than, and I, you know, was in a position earlier in implementing our auctions where we had somebody from Australia actually win an item, which was really cool. Um, but then it was, okay, well, how do I send that? And how do I properly fill out the custom paperwork, the paperwork for customs and will it even get through? Um, these were all questions and things just regarding shipping and having a plan as to, you know, how to get it there. It's not as easy as I learned as just, you know, heading over to FedEx and saying, here, send it to this right. person in Australia. Um, little things like that, thinking ahead um, to, you know, putting out fires before they happen, um, creating policies. Another example, we had a gentleman uh, that was in Philadelphia, really, really wanted one of our jerseys. He actually reached out to us prior to the auction. Um, he accidentally bid about $67,000 on a jersey. Um, we, we saw that and obviously knew, okay, this is an error, a mistake. Um, there was some pushback, people saying, oh, it was rigged, like we let him do that, mm -hmm. uh, we should charge him, you know, and, and what do you do? And it, it forced us to, you know, kind of come up with a, a policy of, well, how do you handle that situation? Um, so just little things like that. And, and things are going to happen. Um, that you don't foresee, and that's okay. You know, that's life. You, you live right. and learn. You you grow and innovate. And 
Melissa, what what was that policy? Because that has happened to several other teams, and we actually had a fan who, I wouldn't call it a butt dial, but they had a, a butt bid this past week on an auction for another team that they, they didn't even support. What was your procedure when that happened? So what we did is we reached out to, you know, using the data that you all provide to us, we reached out to any person that um, had bid on that item and we sent them, I sent them an email um, directly uh, first saying, you know, hey, if there's any questions or concerns that you have, you know, please feel free to reach out to me directly. All my contact information is also in the um, bidding, like the information, item information area, um, just in case, you know, we're all human, typo, is something signed or not, you know, clarification, if somebody needed to reach out to me, they could from the beginning. Um, But what we ended up doing was simply um, relisting the item, um, not at the price that bidding would have ended at, if you will, but at the, the starting, the same starting price for that item. Sure. And we let anybody that bid, we gave them a heads up. Um, we waited till the following weekend. We listed the item and closed the item on the same days and times as it had occurred uh, the week before. So we tried to basically recreate an identical situation um, with the item and the timing. And then also, like I said, gave the people that had been interested um, a heads up and explanation of, of kind of what had happened and that this is how we were going to um, take care of the situation. Right. Um, once we kind of explained ourselves and, and gave the opportunity, um, again, there was, you know, really no pushback. I know the, the person who ended up losing out on the jersey because of the higher bid was a little upset. Some people felt like we should have just given it to that person. Um but in every every situation is different, and I felt like kind of going back, just recreating it, starting over, gave it, you know, same days, same times, for the most part, gave everybody, again, the same opportunities to uh, win that item that was in question. Right. Well, that makes a ton of sense. Well, um, Melissa, thanks for taking the time today. As always, we really appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Uh, looking forward to more. I know we actually have an auction up right now. Just started our um, summer auction series, if you will. Um, and we're looking forward to you know, raising some additional funds for the foundation leading up to next season, too. And we're happy to be a part of it. Thanks so much for sharing uh, everything today. I know that people listening will take a ton of value um, from everything that was said. And uh, we agree. We're excited to work with you guys next season in a summer auction that's going on right now. We will talk to you soon. Great. Thanks, Jonathan. Thanks, Melissa. Dash fans, again, and as always, thank you for listening to another Dash podcast. We hope you've taken some good notes and look forward to seeing them in your auction playbook this season. If you're thinking about taking your team's auctions digital and want to talk about it, you can get a hold of us at email team at dashapp.io. Until next time, Dash fans, don't forget, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Now go out there and make it a great day.